Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. I pray that our time together this morning would be a blessing and an encouragement to your lives. Um, we're going to begin right out. We're going to jump right in. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We've been studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this summer, uh, and today we are in chapter 7. Hear the words of Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? May God bless the reading, the hearing, the obeying of his word. So today, we are looking at devotion. God satisfies our devotion, and He stands ready to give freely of Himself that we may know and enjoy Him. So the first thing to notice in our text this morning is there are different ways or different avenues that Jesus is encouraging our engagement with the Father. Jesus is speaking to these activities and he is grounding them in our devotion to a good heavenly father. He tells us to ask. He tells us to seek. He tells us to knock. So there's this completeness we see in Jesus' words this morning as well. All of our lives are spent asking for things, seeking after things, looking for places of shelter and rest. And Jesus today is seeking and inviting our devotion. And he meets each of these different avenues. He, he greets each one of these with a response. And that's what we're gonna look at today as, as, we, as we talk about devotion. So when, we, when, I, when I'm talking about devotion, what we mean is the who or what that we establish as the guiding love for our lives. It determines everything. That which we give our love over to, the object of that love determines how we live life, how we make decisions. A very practical example. I met this young lady about 15 years ago, this beautiful girl named Andrea Lee. And about 10 years ago in September, we made a commitment to one another before God, to be married, to honor one another. 
And that changes everything for us, all of our lives, how we live our day to day, how we make our decisions as a, as a household and as a family, how we live as a family. Um, that's been a challenge, but a fun one. But everything that we do is in consideration and love for one another. We're devoted to one another and it changes everything. We know that God, everything that God intends for marriage will be found in our marriage. It's not outside. We don't need, not that we don't accept biblical counsel and, and good wisdom, but our lives are guided by a devotion one to God and a, a devotion to one another. So that's what we're talking about. And that's what Jesus is inviting us in today is that love of a heavenly father who is good and who responds to us. As we saw with worship last week, um, this week we also understand that our devotion, it can be misplaced. It can lead us down a path that is unhelpful and destructive in our lives. It can leave us confused when the object of our devotion does not deliver on what we expect of it. We could be left unsatisfied and bitter and, and just wanting and more uh, desperate to, to figure things out. So today in our text, we're gonna look at three promises that God fulfills through our devotion to him. And the first promise that we see that God fulfills is that he gives good things to those who ask. Now, I'm a pretty selfish guy, and if you're like me, thinking what I'm thinking, I'm thinking, sweet, we get some good stuff here. I've got a pretty extensive list, Jesus, and if you stay focused and do what I ask, we'll be good. This will work out great for both of us, I have a feeling. Um, so I'm kind of a music guy. I love music. Every memory I have in life is, is inextricably linked to the music I was listening to at the time. Um, I remember as a child, the very first uh, memories I have were performing little dance routines to Neil Diamond's America. It's a great song and it has this intro that's just like, man, it's good stuff. And uh, I, I remember my first Christmas, the first, my first memories of Christmas, I remember I was given a Beach Boys cassette tape. Some good vibrations and those beautiful harmonies for me evoke memories of Christmas, which is weird because they talk about surfing all the time. It has nothing to do with Christmas. Um, I, I remember picking up a guitar in high school, determined to be the next Toad the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> Glad someone got it. Um, and as I was reading through our scripture this morning, thinking about God, what God was saying to us, just a few tunes came to mind um, as I was reading through and praying through them. And, and to be honest, this first one, I can't, uh, when I think about asking of God and him giving us good things, I can't help but have this little blue genie running around in my brain singing, you ain't never had a friend like me. Because this, this is our tendency, right? When we hear God say, ask and I will give it to you. Like, sweet, we want God to be like Aladdin's genie. Granting us wishes based on what we believe to be good. 
We, we love the idea of an all-powerful God at our beck and call, giving us what we want or being what we want him to be. Too often we're left with this idea of God as a genie unfulfilled by the realities of life. That's not who God is. That's not who he intends to be. And that's not what Jesus is asking of us here this morning. We know that the circumstances of our lives are, and often the answers that we feel to our prayers don't necessarily line up with our expectations, what we prefer for our good. And what, what happens to us? What happens to our devotion? What happens to that guiding love in our lives when the gifts and things that we ask for are not the ones that God gives? How does that affect our devotion in fact, I say it'd, it'd, it'd be very distracting. We'd be running around looking in for all different kinds of ways to, to satisfy our desires. And that's why our passage is so critical for us. It's in our passage, Jesus is drawing us back to a relationship with God. And he draws us back to the only reliable, good source of our devotion. He tells us to ask of God. Don't think it a small matter to ask of God. And, and do not think that any matter is too small to ask of God. He is intimately concerned with the details of your life. In asking of God, we simultaneously express our dependence upon God, the object of our devotion, and we surrender to him the outcomes of our lives. In fact, the very act of asking God, of, of coming to him with our prayers and our petitions, that humbles us. It humbles us and it helps us recognize that every aspect of our lives is a gift that has been given to us by God. Asking is evidence of this change that we've been talking about all summer. It's evidence of a conversion in our devotion to God. That's what Jesus is drawing us back to. He's, he's saying this whole time that the, the world, the things of this world, the desires of the, the flesh, all of this is not worthy of our devotion. And he's drawing us back to ask God, seek God, come to God. He's drawing our attention away from ourselves and from this belief that we're self-made and self-sustaining. Asking God restores our devotion to God, whom in John 15, 5 tells us that apart from him, we can do nothing. Acts 17, 28 tells us that our very life our breath, our moving and going about day to day is found in God, in Him. So when we ask of God, we acknowledge to ourselves that we are not the all-seeing, all-powerful center of the universe. It's humbling. And we ascribe glory and worth and value and trust 
to God. This is a wonderful thing, to approach God with our requests. But the best thing isn't even that. It's that he hears us. He hears the cries of his people. He hears the prayers of his people. He responds to those who are devoted to him, who love him and are loved by him. He responds and gives us good things, is what our text tells us. The God of, of, of our devotion, the God that Jesus is calling us to this morning, is not distant or absent from our lives, from any moment of our lives. He's not absent from our circumstances, and he is not silent in our lives. He hears and he answers. And this sounds awesome, and it is. The God of all the universe hears fully every prayer. He hears without distraction and complete love those who are crying out for mercy. This is a beautiful picture that God has given us here, a beautiful promise that Jesus has offered but it does present a challenge for us. When it comes to our asking of God, it's true that he is good and that he gives us good things. But how do we respond when we don't like what we are given? This happens, right? We usually feel this way when life is just beating us down. We feel stretched too thin. Our relationships aren't going the way we would like them to. The things that we've put our trust in fail or, or, or break. The possessions that we have, the, our schedules become so packed that we are completely and totally overwhelmed and distracted by life. And it's hard in those moments. It's very tempting to blame God, to not believe that he is good and the things that he has given us are not good. That, we can do better on our own. That's why Jesus, again, his words are so important for us this morning. They're not just um, a promise that he has offered, but they are a reminder of our need for the gospel to hear him daily and why we need clarity in our devotion. That's what Jesus is giving us. Ask God, seek God. Come to God, and God is good. He meets us there. I'm reminded of the, the story of Job. Um, the good thing that Job received from God was his consideration. If you look in chapter one of the book of Job in verse eight, that's what we see. We get kind of a peek into heaven and God surveys all of his creation. And he says, have you considered Job? Awesome. What a great honor to be considered by God. And it is a great honor. But we've read the rest of the book. The gift of God's consideration in Job's life didn't necessarily come in a nice, neat little package, did it? He lost his friends, he lost his family, he lost everything that he possessed, 
he lost his health, and then he had some friends come and condemn and accuse him, saying he was a sinner and that he had incurred God's wrath upon his life. Job's life was marked with tragedy. In fact, so much so in chapter 3 of Job, he curses the day that he was born. It would have been better if I never would have drawn breath. But at the end of the story, we see that Job remains faithful and steadfast in his devotion to God. And God answers him, not with the answers to Job's questions that he has, but with his goodness, his presence. God comes to him and reminds him that he is good. And it turns out that the consideration that God gave ended up working out for Job's joy in his life and God's glory to the others, to the world. In the New Testament, James assures us in chapter one of his letter that though we face hard times and trials of many kinds, and and though there are times we feel like our prayers are not being answered, that God is not listening, that he is silent, James reminds us that he is good and that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights, within whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is good, and he will always be good. And Jesus is reminding of that, us of that in our text this morning as he's calling us to ask, to seek, and to come to him. One commentator would express it this way. So then, if we ask for good things, God grants them. God knows they're good. If we ask for things which are not good, either good in themselves or or good for us or, or good for others or good directly, indirectly in our circumstances or even ultimately for God's glory, then God denies them. And only he knows the difference. So Jesus is calling us to trust God and to place our faith and devotion in him and believe that he is good. He is a God who knows how to give good things for his glory and for our joy. He's reminding us that we shouldn't conflate the, the hardness of our circumstances or even the goodness of our circumstances with the character of God. He's grounding our devotion in God's goodness, not what we experience, not the, the, the things that we um, believe to be good about our situations. He's grounding it in the character of God. And remember, when life does become hard and challenging, things that you ask for don't necessarily end up being the things that you receive. Remember God's ultimate gift of goodness to us was born through suffering. God's greatest gift towards men was his son Jesus who was born in very, very humble beginnings. He bore a cross of shame and brutality being rejected by all men. But he reminds us 
in that gift of his goodness and love for us in an empty tomb. Death, brokenness, sin, hardness, these things do not have the final say. And God is good. Our devotion to God becomes steadfast as we petition him, as we come to him in prayer, and he responds with his goodness. The second promise that God fulfills is that he reveals himself to those who seek him. So from asking God to receiving, we move on to seeking and finding. So how do you seek for God? Are you seeking God? Do you know how or why God has revealed himself to you? Or have you already made up in your mind who God is, what he is, and you just keep him at arm's length and give him no presence in your life? Seeking after God, it seems like a given for, for followers of Christ. This is something that we've heard for a long time. This is a common theme in the Bible. That's the beauty of the gospel, right? It's so simple. Everybody can understand it, but it's infinitely complex and difficult in its application. So let me challenge you this morning not to sweep what Jesus is teaching here aside and assume that because you've heard this at some point in your Christian walk that it has no relevance for your life today. This is important, friends. Those who seek after God will find him. This is a refreshment to our souls. God is not hiding from us. We don't have some complex riddle that we have to figure out to gain access to him. There's no Nintendo power that gives us the secret codes to unlocking God. He has made himself known to us. This is one of the major themes of the book of Romans. Paul goes to great lengths to to explain this truth to us, and he establishes it in chapter one, verse 19, where he says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. In his command to seek, Jesus, with great care, as he does, exposes the void that's left in our hearts as a result of sin. Because of sin, which separates us from God, all of us are searching for meaning. We're all searching for purpose. We're all searching to solve all the problems. We're tirelessly seeking after good. We want to be satisfied. It drives everything. And God is grounding our devotion in him this morning in our text. But as we tirelessly seek and as we tirelessly search for meaning in this life, Psalm 14 declares to us that the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And that's why Jesus' words to us this morning are critical. They not not only expose our 
searching and, and struggling for Jesus, but they ground us again in the only place that we will find rest, and that's in Jesus. So his word is calling to us to repent, to turn to him. And again, so I was reading through this passage this morning, another tune came to mind. Um, and what kind of middle-aged evangelical suburbanite would I be if I didn't reference the great U2? Um, they have an ironic classic hymn called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. It came off their Joshua Tree album uh, released in the 80s. And this thing was huge. It was one of the largest selling albums of all time. Um, I'm sure most of you are at least somewhat familiar with that. Um, but this song in particular was a massive hit for them. And I believe that it generated or resonated with the general public for a reason. We're all searching. We're all looking. We all feel disappointed at times. When our search for good when our seeking for God is confined to the worldly knowledge and wisdom that we possess, when it's based merely on what we can experience and what we uh, go through in life, when our seeking is confined to what we can dream up or imagine or what our preferences are for our good and our glory, then the God that we find will never be the one that we're looking for. And that's the beauty of Jesus' command this morning, to seek, he promises, revelation, that you will find God. And let me encourage you, God does reveal himself. And the more God reveals himself to you, the more you will devote yourself to finding him, finding all things in him. In fact, this was Jesus' commendation to Mary as he was speaking to her sister Martha in the book of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Everything we know, everything we know of God everything we need for life, for salvation, for faith, for our daily practice, everything is bound up in the revelation of God. The revelation of God by his word, through his son Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit is the one thing that is necessary. And that's what Jesus is calling us to this morning. It is true and it is good, God's revelation to us. But it requires faith and trust that everything that we are searching for, God satisfies when we look to him. When we seek God as the object of our devotion, we're meeting with another promise in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, 19. It says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God is intimately aware of what we're searching for. God knows everything you need for life. 
He created your life. He has numbered your days. He knows the number of hairs on your head. When our devotion is set on Jesus, the unknowns of our existence, the things we can't control, the concerns of our lives, the meaning that we're all searching for each and every day is clarified in God's revelation of himself to us. Finally, the third promise that God fulfills is that he welcomes those who come. One of my favorite musical artists is a man who goes by the name Tom Waits. He has a song called Come On Up to the House. It's a gospel tune. Um, It's about the struggles and endless strivings of this life, people going about their lives looking for safe harbors, struggling with the the circumstances of their lives, and, and there's this call to come on up to the house where there's a promise of peace and rest and joy, comfort, shelter. Jesus is telling us this morning, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. The sentiment of that song echoes the promise that Jesus is, is offering here. As we stumble through life, Jesus beckons those who would to come on up to his house. Knock, and it will be open. God longs for relationship with us. God longs to invite us into his presence. He is eager to welcome you. He has prepared a place for you. Knock and it will be open. We want this. We want our lives to be good. At the end of the day, we want a safe haven. We want to finish well. We want that security. We want that peace. And God is offering us his presence. When we cross the threshold of eternity, we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter. We long for God's presence. And Jesus here is telling us that he longs to be with you. The three things we've been talking about today, asking, seeking, knocking. Our experience in this life will be defined by the object of our devotion. And Jesus concludes his promises this morning by assuring us that our devotion in God will never be unsatisfied. God delights in giving good things. If you look to our text, it says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's perfect love for you is without measure. 
how much more will he pour his goodness out in your life? Jesus is telling us to trust him, to ground our devotion, the thing that, the love that drives our lives, ground it in God. God is faithful to fuel our devotion through his promises. For those who ask, will receive. For those who seek, will find. For those who knock, I will be there. God is good. You are loved by the Father who is in heaven, and he freely gives himself to you. The world will never have a good response to the questions of your life. It was not created for that, and it can't offer anything. All that your life is seeking will never be found in the perishable treasure of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 reminds us, this world is passing away. We are sojourners here. For all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, all those things we're asking and seeking for, it's not from the Father, but from this world. And the world is passing away along with its desire. But whoever does the will of God, hear this, abides with him forever. God is welcoming us to abide with him. He offers his presence. There is no greater, gooder thing. Ask, you will receive. Knock, it will be open. He is a good God who offers fellowship with his people. He offers ultimate resolution to all the things that we are searching for. He offers hospitality to those who feel as if they are outcasts. He offers refuge from the storms of life. He offers rest for the weary. Jesus is telling us today is would you ask him? Would you seek him? Would you trust him with the devotion of your life? He has already welcomed you. Just come on up to his house. Let's pray.